A maid or housemaid or servant is a female person employed in domestic service. This book definition is one void of the intricate mutations that the role has presented, from the questioning of the master-to-slave continued role, or as some would say, its contribution to regressing the feminist movement by psychologically and sometimes physically excluding the presence of men. Today, we explore the words we have used or still use to understand how these mutations have come about. Where do they come from and what did it mean then? In what ways do these titles belong to cultures? I mean, what's in a name, right? Well, in this case, what's in a title? For the moment, what has been accepted as the most politically correct term is domestic worker because it refers to the industry that is domestic work rather than a role or hierarchy. So it's more a verb than a noun. We will do a show on this with domestic workers soon, but in the meantime, to unpack this from another perspective, I have with me Lene LaRue. She's a disillusioned urban planner grappling with the many things that define us, space, development, and titles included. In her own words, she terms her identity crisis as identity curious. Her adulthood has found her in conflict with societal teachings as a result of her varied personal experiences and has gender, race, class and culture identity within the concrete jungle on top of her inquiries list, and in her case, Johannesburg. Welcome, Lene. So good to have you. Thank you very much. <laughs> so you were born in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. How long were you there? Mm, I think two years. I grew up in Gauteng. I went to school in Johannesburg, mm. but my family's house was in Pretoria. Okay. So on weekends, we used to be in Pretoria and go home during the week after school. Mm. Um, but for school, I was in jo- Joburg. So, so we used to commute from Joburg to, to Pretoria okay. almost on a daily basis. And your family is Afrikaans? My family is Afrikaans. So did you have domestic workers growing up? I did, actually. We had about three that I can remember. Two I can remember clearly. They were both called Margaret. At least that's what they told us, obviously. <laughs> I'm sure that they had other names as well. And after that, for quite some time, my mom decided not to have one at all. Um, and would use us as domestic workers. <laughs> and how <laughs> old were you by then? Probably around 12. Mm. I mean, we didn't do like intense cleaning. And I think there might have been somebody that came on a part-time basis, but I don't remember that person at all, actually. Do you have domestic workers, considering what your mother tried to instill in you? I don't have, no. Something interesting that you've also mentioned with the two Margarets, Mm -hmm. that you suspect that it might not be their names. Yes. (laughs) Do you think it was a a name? Well, do you think it was the name given to them by your parents? Uh, No, I think they they introduced themselves as as Margaret. Do you think that they gave it because they found that it might be easier for your family to... I think Pronounce. so. I okay. think so. A lot of the kind of older generation, especially domestic workers, where it's their livelihood mm. to make it easier, they would say that, well, my name is Margaret or, mm. you know, any kind of easily pronounceable English name. Yeah. Um, so that I suppose so that the employer doesn't feel uncomfortable about it. Do you think that's why those name are, those names were given? I think so. It's often the second name. So the first name would be an African name, you know, from a, a black African language. And the second name would be the the um, the Christian 
white name. So besides Margaret, besides using the name Margaret, mm. if you were to refer to her as any title, what, what would you use when you were younger? There was no other title. It was just by her first name. Okay, so when you were speaking to your friends mm-hmm. about Margaret or any of the Margarets, <laughs> what, would, what would you say? Would you just say Margaret? As kids, we were taught to use helper. Domestic worker wasn't really a term used back in the 90s. Helper was the more PC of way of actually saying it. Oh, really? I mean, okay. I know people who would say maid, but that that always felt, and I was told that that's not the right way to, to say it. It felt rude. And, so and I never used that term. And that's actually the thing that we, we have to get to, and it's sort of in our name as well, the maid sessions. <laughs> <laughs> Which has been quite a topic of contention. But mm. you say that maid was something that you weren't allowed to use. Did they explain why they felt it was rude? Because maid was always, I suppose, thought of as servant. Maybe that's what my mum was trying to instill when we were young, is that this person is here just to help out. They're not here to clean up after you. So you're inherently responsible for yourself, and she just assists in certain parts. Yeah. But not that she takes over all of your responsibilities. Now, one of the other things that made the term made is fueled with is the term girl. You know, when... Back in the day, older women, sometimes old enough to be our mothers or grandmothers, were termed girl, Mm -hmm. you know, in the gardener boy. And um, if we look at the history of that term maid um, and how it was in household Britain, you know, back in the day and in some instances still now, Mm -hmm. um, we see quite a myriad of different um, functions of maid. You'd have the housemaid, which was a Above the stairs, so they were above the stairs and below the stair maids. Um, it was there were head housemaids, which would report to the housekeeper. There were parlor maids, which were like butlers, and they tidied up the reception rooms. You'd have the chamber maids; they maintained the bedrooms. You'd have the laundry maids, which maintained bedding and towels. <laughs> You'd have sure. under the house parlor maid, which was a general deputy of the house parlor maid. You'd have the nursery maid, which. Um, was an upstairs maid and it worked, they worked in the, mm. the children's nursery. You'd have the kitchen maid. They were below the stairs and they reported to the cook. So I can go on and on. It's quite an extensive list. You mean they lived but, below the stairs or <laughs> they, you mean they, worked they worked below, below the, the stairs? stairs. <laughs> they might have lived below. Yeah, they might have. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> so according to a 2015 art- article in the USA Today, they say that evolution, um, of a term, mm-hmm. geography and personal opinion, are said to be what determines what we perceive titles to be, you know, what they mean. So what I wonder, just in relation to all the different types of maids that existed before, Mm -hmm. how do you think the term maid, which was actually in that list, it was in a way the most harmless part of those titles, right? Because Mm -hmm. it was actually the adjectives that that were in relation to the term maid that determined hierarchy, that determined your positioning, and yet it's made in our context mm. that is the derogatory term. How do you think we got to that? It feels like they, because for me, as I understand, when you mentioned those different types of maids, it was for a particular size of the size of the kind of household in which they worked. So it would be within a manor or within a palace. So, and it, if it came from, I think you said it came from, 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 England. Yeah. So they 
you know, they had to manage an entire kind of monarchy, potentially a huge family, like the kind of um, Duke and the Duchess and that family. So it was a manner. So each of them had a particular role um, to play. And they were all, I suppose there were hierarchies there. How I would kind of understand it is in this kind of Western way, kind of how we're trying to emulate this kind of Western um, ideal of having an a nucleus family and having a huge house. I mean, I think it's also linked to living in suburbs with big houses. You might have one or two people or two or three managing the garden and then the house. And so you would have um, the maids or the helpers uh, or domestic workers. And then you would have the, the gardeners. Um, they would, they would become a generalized worker. Yeah. And so it's not, it is possibly something of, of derogatory, but it feels like it's some sort of a simplified version of this kind of royal lifestyle and colonial lifestyle, mm. which a lot of Western, well, I don't know if it's that, that Western people are trying to, to create that, but even if it is about cap- capitalism where you buy a big house and so you have to take care of it, you need to have somebody to to help you clean up or or to clean the house and so it becomes one person who has to take care of everything they have to take care of the kitchen the washing the bathroom so it no lot longer becomes a team of people working it becomes one person which Mm. in a way is also sad because it means that they have to work in isolation um, and what what is very interesting is after this ridiculously extensive list of types of maids, uh, then they they'd say in the more modest households, a single maid of all work is what they used to have, and that okay. used to also be referred to as a skivvy. But then a skivvy, the term skivvy originates from the Italian word for slave, which is schiavo, oh. yeah, or an owned hmm. person. You know, so you can understand how a term like that or a title like that is easy to fall away when we start to understand slaves mm. or slavery as a bad thing. But how does the term made fall away? You know, when yeah. initially it might have only been associated to a role of work that's done. There's differences in how people see a domestic worker in their space. And I think that that's when, you know, thinking about them as maid or changing it to domestic worker or changing it to helper even though helper seems a little bit of strange term if I think about it now but when you become conscious of what it means to employ someone and the effort that they put in or or just the fact that they uh, should be almost on equal grounds as you who goes to school Mm. and so when you see them as kind of you know as equal in economic terms and and even just human terms, yeah. uh, another person, then you need to think about what you're, what you are, what word you are using to describe them and what that means. But you know, at the same time, the term helper cleaner doesn't quite have limits like say a nanny does. You know, if you hear nanny, you imagine that it has something to do with children. You know, there's some sort of perceived limit to it. But where's the limit in helping or in cleaning? Exactly. You know, and do you Mm -hmm. think that those sort of terms or those sort of titles 
um, contribute to the exploitative nature of the role because in a way we're giving no limit through that term. I think so, but I think that's also a fault of the Department of Labor. You know, it is also up to them, and I'm not sure if they've done it, but it's up to them to also say, to also qualify that job as something which has particular rankings and particular values, and it can't just be you know, some it can't just be helper as kind of like an endless supply of help. Yeah. There needs to be restrictions. There needs to be time, time slots. There needs to be an overtime pay, which often doesn't happen. Um, there needs to be restrictions as opposed to, you know, if they live on the property and off the property and what that means and how you actually um, re- give them a kind of a rebate if they're living on the property and that it's a fair kind of contractual deal that if they're staying on your property doesn't mean that you shouldn't necessarily, you know, pay them less or you should have a fair thing of, okay, you're, if you, if you'd like to stay here, this is the rent. Um, I pay you a certain amount and then you pay me back rent because they just become a tenant on your property. Mm. Um, so I would say that all of those things need to be, need, need to really be kind of analyzed and qualified and put in such a way that it becomes, uh, it becomes fair. I think the a regulating body is definitely a huge issue in this industry. And, you know, I mean, as an architect, like I can, I can speak for our regulating body. You know, I have to first have evidence that I am an architect and that evidence puts me into the system and that system regulates whether I am practicing ethically or not, you know, and I'm liable legally. But what determines that in an environment where there isn't, there isn't paperwork, for instance, to prove your capacity in that role, you know, and do you yeah. think that because of that, it also gives us the liberty to term it whatever we want and then load it with whatever our needs are? I mean, I think even the term domestic worker isn't very clear. Yeah. Because what does that really mean? Domestic. Domestic is something which is something within a house, mm. something of that a happens private, or a private mm. space. Yeah. But I mean, that could really be anything, <laughs> which yeah. sometimes makes it a little bit scary if you think about it. I, I feel, you know, obviously all professions, are, you can also say, but it's not necessarily clear. And if you were to, I mean, you, you don't have a domestic worker now, but if you were to discuss a person that cleans your house now to the group mm-hmm. of friends that you have now, what would you What's a term that you would use? I often also refer to the person as the cleaning lady. I, I seem to have picked up mm. that term as well since I've been working. Oh, it's a corporate because term. Because as like a corporate term, ask the cleaning lady. Okay. Because I think, yeah, in a, yeah, in like an office environment, you, you don't really say domestic worker because they, you're not at a house. They're not in someone's home. They're at the mm. office, but they have the same kind of job. They also have to clean. And what do you make of lady? Um, what I'm finding quite interesting is that there are, it seems to be that there's Malawian men that come into South Africa and offer domestic work um, or domestic chores to uh, to families. Mm. Um, actually, my dad um, has a 
Malawian man who cleans his house now. But I mean, it's also, in a way, it's problematic because the kind of term that's being used and not by my dad because my dad just calls him by his name. But from what I've heard is they would say a houseboy. Oh. So they're termed a houseboy. How old, how old is he? In Malawi. How old is he? He's a grown man. Okay. He's got children. He's probably in his 30s, 40s. So he's a grown man. Um, which then again makes me think about, okay, cleaning lady, you know, now this, but you also have a garden boy. So, which is a South African term. Um, and always it's not, it's not a boy. It's not like a child. It's a grown man. So why do you think people seem to be drawn to adding a term like boy rather than saying gardener? They'll add garden boy. Yeah, because I'm thinking about it in Afrikaans and it would be the tain sien of, I'm not really sure if that's so common. And what's gardener in Afrikaans? A tainir is a gardener. Oh, okay. My my tain man. But even that doesn't sound, I'm thinking now, would you say garden man, garden boy? Mm. Like in English, garden boy makes sense to me, but in Afrikaans we say but that's quite a formal way of saying but often it's it's the the often these people are referred to on their on their first names and i suppose mm. because <laughs> it's going to sound a bit funny now but i suppose because um afrikaans families well i mean i'm obviously exposed to my own is you know they wouldn't necessarily have somebody that they would or a friend that they would refer to as sipo for uh, example, okay, <laughs> because they don't really inter. And it's obviously of a particular generation, so yeah. kind of like those that grew up during apartheid, and now they might be in their fifties or something like that. Mm. They wouldn't necessarily have these these kind of relationships where they would call. Um, they 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 would have a black friend that they would be like oh um, I asked Sipo of this and this and this. <laughs> so you know that if they're referring to. Uh, a person with an African name, it would probably be the the domestic worker or the gardener. Oh, wow. So it wasn't even a question of, but who's Sipo? Like you kind of just assume it. So that's why for me in Afrikaans, uh, garden boy of the Tainsian, I suppose they also use that, that term. And do you think it has anything to do with a sense of possessiveness? Because it certainly feels like it takes away the person's autonomy as a professional. You know, like a gardener, it's almost like he stands on his own. But yeah. garden boy, no, definitely. it does something to that sense of yeah. of autonomy as a professional. No, yeah. I think I think so. You, you spoke just now about, you know, the term um in Tani. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I guess in English, auntie. But just earlier on, we you sort of told me with the term auntie how it sometimes has the potential to raise one's, um, you know, personality because everyone or anyone can be called auntie, you know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it, it stands to replace someone's name, you know. So it is respectful mm-hmm. or it can sound respectful, but at the same time, it can be a generic form of respect. Sure. So um, where do you think the fine line is? Um, I mean, the only other person that I can think of is when I used to work in Pretoria in a, at, at a company and they, 
the um, the lady there who was the domestic worker was called Auntie. Hmm. And and it wasn't her real name. <laughs> it wasn't her real name. Okay. Her real name, at least one of her real names, was Letty. Okay. But again, I'm not sure if that's her her only name. Yeah. So you would say Auntie, and it's not the first time that that I would be told that this lady that that you know if you just call her Auntie if she's if she's the cleaning lady or the domestic worker. Um, so I think that. It it does you do lose a sense of identity if it's just like oh just call them auntie yeah because it's like okay mm. <laughs> what does this person want me to call them do they want to be called auntie often they like just call me auntie themselves because mm. I, I suppose it's like nicknames yeah you know, sometimes people prefer to just give you their nickname because. They get frustrated that people can't pronounce or can't remember their actual name. So you just mm. end up saying, it's fine, just call me so-and-so. And this is the thing. How do you know when they genuinely don't mind being called something or termed something and or when they're just frustrated or they are used to certain responses mm. so they just give you the easy answer? I don't know. I think, I think those conversations, I think something like that has to be found out in a, a very honest conversation with that person where they don't feel that they need to kind of, you know, um, dismiss their own difficult, their own frustrations if they have them. Okay. So let's go through a couple of South African terms for the role. Um, mm-hmm. and just give me a few impressions on them. Okay. So the first is Aussie, which is a com- combination of oat and sissy. Yeah. What what has Aussie. have your parents told you about it, or what has your experience Actually, been? Actually, now that that's now that's definitely now, now that I think about it, I completely <laughs> forgot about OC. So in Afrikaans, is it OC or OC? In Afrikaans, it's OC. OC, okay. So OC is is that term which they of which they often use. So like my mom's generation that. That age was, I mean, I can only speak for the Afrikaans people because I don't know if English people use it. But, yeah, OC is, like, very common. Mm. That's actually, instead of saying the person's name, they would say, my OC, whatever. Okay. Is it respectful? You know, it's a very, I don't know if it was ever because you said it's, it's a, it's about... Out, like, so old and, and, and sister. And sister. Yeah, old and sister in Afrikaans. I suppose. Um, but it's a very like informal term. I wouldn't say it's, a, I mean, I've never thought of it to sound, um, respectful. It's quite, it's also like something that is used with distance. Okay. It's like, for me, that, that term, if I, if I think about it, is a, is a form of, or feels, and I'm going on intuition because as a child or me- memories from a child, from your childhood is often something which is from intuition. Mm. So you kind of remember things and you remember, not clearly, but you might remember the way in which that term was used and how the person said it. And so I think a lot of what you remember is really how you feel when you hear that term. Yeah. So, you know, I might be wrong, but from <laughs> from my own perception or from what I can remember or how I feel now when somebody uses OC, it it is quite 
a derogatory type of way. Mm. So like made. Just like somebody, not derogatory as in intentional. Yeah. But it is definitely like my OC, like my maid. Mm. I would say I would put it on on the same. Is it? On the same t- um, lines. So, so like made, is it a term that has... Is it sort of unspoken that it should not be used Actually, anymore? Actually, no, I think people still use it. That's why, um, for me, it sounds very kind of informal and rude, but I'm not sure whether people really see it as that. And it's surprisingly a term that a lot of domestic workers seem to use to, to refer to each other. So do you think? But then it has a different, it has a different feel because yeah. that's where I've heard Aussie. Yeah, hi, Aussie. <laughs> but it, yeah. it automatically feels or endearing. Yeah, somewhat, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I think often terms can have that endearing element to them, mm. but if they're used by the wrong person, I mean, yes. You know, I'm not going to so say it's like the, the word. intent behind. <laughs> but in with African Americans, yeah. I mean, I can't use the word because I'm white, but you know, that, that, what word you say, it, girl. <laughs> don't, don't put me in. That. <laughs> so that can be used in a kind of endearing way or a respectful way. Or, I mean, I, I can't really, I don't really understand it fully, but I know that it's okay to use that term in that context, mm. you know, between black people in, 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 America. Yeah. In North America. But and that's why I'll see already because it's it's kind of in a mutual way mm. and it's 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 endearing but OC is specifically like made. And and it's also nice actually that it's got different a different sound to it. Yeah. You know that it almost becomes completely different words. Exactly. Very nice. Have you heard of the term shiksa? I've never. So it's in Jewish communities. It means non-Jewish girl. (laughs) But traditionally, it it means slave girl from the Yiddish version of the Hebrew word for dirty, unclean or loathsome. So in South Africa, it's got the meaning female domestic worker. Oh, I've never. It's quite a loaded history. (laughs) So so they say it's, it's still a term used in... Some white communities in South Africa. Okay. Yeah. Among Jewish people? Or? Mm. Okay. Mm. I've never heard it used. Yeah, neither have I. I wonder if it's just a closed community thing. Yeah, maybe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you think of Hace Help? Hace Help, yeah. Hace Help is um, like helper. Mm. It's used in a, in a more PC, formal, uh, polite way. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so this is better than, is, it's better than OC. Yeah. <laughs> I think anything's better than OC at this stage. How about staff? Staff. I actually got this from a focus group we did. Where, oh. Yeah. Where, um, it was this lady that always referred to her staff. Her staff. Yeah. And it was, it was a home situation. I suppose. I mean, when somebody has such an array of, <laughs> people helping around the house i would say yeah you that's that would make sense in that context do you find say, it a respectable way of grouping them i mean it sounds extremely colonial to me mm, i did uh, get that impression too <laughs> to be honest <laughs> like like a few seconds short of servants <laughs> exactly yeah 
you might as well say like the servants kind of thing staff um i suppose because it's it's used in in the corporate world uh, mm. and companies you think of it okay the staff so what collective term would you use if you had <laughs> staff An members array. i hope that never <laughs> happens to me <laughs> but if you did <laughs> if i okay so if i had it really depends i would either house facilitators <laughs> I'm actually really thinking about it as well because yeah. I don't actually quite know I don't what know I would. Either. I mean, I would. I don't think I would ever say my staff. Yeah. Um, and I don't know house house management team. Oh, <laughs> the house managers getting really corporate. <laughs> the domestic um, collector or the family team. <laughs> Getting the, worse. The collective is always better. The collective. <laughs> you just say the collective. You don't have to refer to them as my collective or the collective. <laughs> no, they would be called the, they, they would be the collective. The collective. Okay. This. But even that, like grouping. Look, I honestly don't see myself doing that one day. Okay. <laughs> but I do. I me. see myself doing. That. <laughs> I hope I never ever live in a. In a suburban house that I don't have to do these things. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> um, and au pair. I mean, in some instances, they're seen to do the same work, but they're perceived very differently. Why I say that there's similarities in the work is the domestic worker is often doing a lot more work, but sometimes what the au pair does is inclusive in what the domestic worker has to do. You know, so oh. taking care of... You know, taking the child to school, mm. helping them with their homework, making their food, sure. taking them to tennis, whatever it is, you know. Um, so, so there's limits to the au pair's work, but yeah. often that work extends into the domestic worker's um, job description. And yet, often the au pair is perceived in a greater light than the domestic worker. It's a less exploited I think so. um, industry, so to speak. Definitely. Also because you normally have um, young people who might be studying mm. or maybe after their studies and maybe they're doing it as a part-time job. Mm. It's generally they, – they normally – in South Africa especially, they have um, a driver's license. Yeah. So already they are – they come equipped with resources. Yeah. <laughs> and because you are at that – in, in that class bracket, you're already given a certain amount of status and mm. respect as to what kind of work you, sh you should be doing. Mm. And I think that's the problem. That's the problem with domestic workers is they are kind of seen as well. They'll just do everything I tell them because they need this job. They don't have anything else. But the problem is we've met um, a young domestic worker. She's 21. She's got her driver's license. Uh, she doesn't have, you know, any sort of tertiary education or cannot afford to apply to one and start studying. Okay. But in a way, and, and her accent, I mean, I think that also has something to do with, you know, how you're perceived, you know, mm -hmm. so she, she doesn't, she, she feels self-conscious about her English because her English, English isn't her first language, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But in a way, you could, you could sort of tick the check boxes that you would tick for an au pair and mm. yet she's not perceived as that she's still perceived and treated as a domestic worker 
But she works as an au pair. As, she works as a domestic worker. As a domestic worker. Yes. Or well, do you but think maybe it's because she started as one and so she... Yeah, and maybe she was also willing to do domestic work. Um, Whereas I think au pairs are quite clear that they won't do domestic work. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure what she had actually said to them to her employees beforehand obviously but i would say that an au pair is somebody yeah with that wouldn't necessarily wouldn't say they would know like it's not in my job description to clean your house mm. whereas and she, and yeah this this woman you're speaking about is young and she has a, a driver's license which enables her to maybe do the work of an au pair but perhaps the way in which she either presented herself or that they kind of assumed that she would do these things. Again, as you speak of, um, you know, how au pairs sometimes uh, might be there in a temporary nature because mm -hmm. there's something else that they're working towards. And it really, I think, is an important aspect to the role of domestic work, the idea of permanence. Mm -hmm. You know, the domestic worker can be a domestic worker from 21 to 65 in her retirement, you know? Yeah. And often it's perceived as a, as a much more permanent role than something like an au pair. Yeah. Or, um, a waitress or waiter, those sort of things. Exactly. Do you think that there's anything that we can, um, reframe in the title that can speak to a more temporary nature of the role, which I think is quite important, you know, in terms of, um, you know, in, in terms of making sure that the women in these roles don't mm -hmm. let go of their aspirations because of the idea of the permanence of this role. If I had, I'm not really sure if a term, I think domestic worker has definitely put, you know, that role on a, on a different level to made. I think people think about that differently, mm. but I don't think it has to do with the title mm. because again, if I think about normal professions, you can be, you'll be called a doctor mm. when you graduate and you'll be called a doctor when you retire. Um, you might call the specialist, but even an architect, an architect, for example, you'll be an architect, when you graduate and when you, um, and when you retire. So I don't think, I think it has very little to do with the term as much as, um, it actually has to do with just how we have always treated domestic workers in this country. And that's why, even though there's a different term, which is now seems to be more, more formal, people's actions have not changed. And so for me, it really, it's not so much about the title as it is uh, really like rehashing how we see the labor market and people with different skills in mm. this country. Well, then on that note, just as a, as a sort of last inquiry, and it's more of a personal one, but in your pursuit to understand your own identity, what has been some of your findings around titles and classifications? Human nature in relation to classifying things. I think... It, it, there's, there's two sides to it. There's, there's people's innate kind of desire to either want to box other people or find a way to define themselves. And I think it's through, 
when, when it comes to other people, it's because it's easier. It's easier to see somebody as a particular something, you know, a particular person. So there's a name for that. Society puts names to a particular type of person, like, for example, Jock. If you say Jock, everybody kind of in South Africa gets a sense of, of what that is. Yeah. Or of who, of who that is. Mm. Um, Poppy is a, is another example. Cheese boy. Um, mm. so I think that that is because it's kind of easier to, for society to kind of label you as something. Um, but then there's also a desire to do that for yourself. And that's why I often think about, you know, the LGBTQA. I. <laughs> Oh, I don't know what the high yeah, is ah, now. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> I think it's intersex. Oh, yes, yeah, exactly. Intersexual, yeah. There's, there's I. So there's all of those, um, all of those different, uh, terms. Obviously, to give everybody within who's not in the heterosexual world, mm. um, or who who doesn't see themselves as heterosexual, kind of a space. But at the same time, we're still terming those different things <laughs> so almost like a necessary evil it's yeah exactly. it's needed to validate your existence as a certain thing but yeah. the fact that you need to title it brings other problems of exactly classification yeah and i but i think what's important is one thing to understand that um, definitions are quite should be fluid mm. and they're fluid because people change uh, so in, in that way, I think it becomes dangerous when, when you decide that this is what I am and then you realize that, that it doesn't quite fit anymore because it's changed. Yeah. Uh, but I think what becomes important is that you understand that you can define yourself if it's comfortable, but at the same time, don't think that, that, that that's static because you'll constantly change and evolve. When it comes to thinking of someone else, I would say it's always, important it's always better not to label them as something mm. because you could always be stereotyping them in a way that you wouldn't want that to be done to you at the same time do you think that we latch on to um the things that classify us whether we choose it or not i think it really depends because in some ways by not accepting a particular kind of label you're also denying other people of um the sufferings that they've gone through by not being what you are so if so if your label is attached to privilege mm -hmm. of some sort by denying it so for example i mean we we often have this discussion about being african mm. so for a white person to say I'm African could be construed as problematic because African also kind of in the global sense is always at attached to, 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 to the race of, of being black or a person of color. Yeah. But what that has meant for people of color or people who are of African origin and the things that they've gone through by me saying, no, but I'm a, I, I'm an African because I've lived here. I have to be very careful in saying that because people could perceive it as, yeah, but you don't really understand that that kind of, or you haven't gone through the negative components of what it means to be an African. Mm. You've kind of lived the privileged life. So, so in, in that way, it becomes quite a, 
a tricky thing. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I find it very difficult to tell someone else this is not who you are because everybody has their own sense of identity. Yeah. And I think it's, it is very difficult for people who might not, who are not black, but they've grown up in, on the African continent to then feel like, do I actually belong? And, and that's more a personal thing. Like, yes, you may always be of a certain level of privilege. But you can never take away the kind of disconnectedness you might feel if you are told, no, you are not African. And yet you've grown up in mm. this, on this continent, in this country. Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's a lot of debates. And I think it's also maybe, you know, to say you're South African as opposed to you're African has different meanings. Mm. One is about a nationality, whereas a lot of people won't say, won't necessarily say, I'm European. So they might be from Europe, but they won't say, I'm European. They'll just say, I'm French. Yeah. So I think there's there's a lot of meaning behind the term African. Mm. So it becomes tricky. I mean, I mean, these are the things which I think we have to be able to think about and understand and realize what your position is and be quite critical of particular terms you use and feel proud about that. But at the same time, realize the difficulty that some people may have if you say this without qualifying it. Yeah. And then all of that <laughs> gets fueled into <laughs> gets fueled into the terms that we have in the roles that we fill in industries and yeah. different you know like tiers of economies. Yeah, so exactly. just sort of classification on classification. And with that, Lene, <laughs> I'd like to thank you, say thank you so much thank for you very much. coming. I do appreciate your tapping into your, your perceptions of, you know, your experiences in association to words. Cause I think a lot of the times we're actually feeling our way through these things and something feels like an insult versus it being an insult, you know? And it's so, yeah. it's so difficult in our condition because everything sort of stands to be very sensitive mm -hmm. because there's a lot from the past that we didn't address that we didn't openly speak about. So I'd really like to thank you for having, you know, engaged me on those terms. <laughs> and to all those that are listening, please make sure to follow our Twitter page. It's at Made Project. That's M-A-I-D-E Project. As well as our Facebook page, just type in the Made Sessions or type in Made Project and you'll also find it. Have a very lovely evening. Thank you so much for tun tuning in and see you next week. Bye. Listen, the revolution. I've got something important to tell you. Cliffcentral.com.